0: American society doesn't support moms, like period. And we, there's so much, there's so much, if I could say, if people listening could hear one thing, like it's not your fault. Um, We could do so much better to support mothers. And if the best you can do is like shower once a week, like you're doing a great job. Not knowing is okay go find out by trying something and then learning and don't judge yourself for your your experience or your reaction just observe
1: welcome to the mother honestly podcast this is your host blessing addition founder and ceo of mother honestly On this show, we interview ambitious women that are thriving in and beyond motherhood. Expect honest and real conversations that will encourage and inspire you to take actions on your dreams.
2: Thank you, Sarah, so much for joining us today on the Mother Honestly podcast. I'm Kristen Hall. I'm the Chief Operating Officer of Mother Honestly. And Sarah Peck, you are the founder and executive director of Startup Pregnant is one of your many titles and accolades that you have. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit about your lovely self, what you're up to, what you're most focused on, and give our listeners a great idea of who you are.
0: Yeah, I love this. I am a mom. I have two little boys. They are one and three right now. I'm based in New York City, which is madness. Getting them on and off the subway is a daily challenge. Um, And I'm the executive director of Startup Pregnant, where we have a podcast for working moms and parents who are entrepreneurs, as well as a community called the Wise Women's Council. And Mm -hmm. we bring together people who are looking for those those mom besties, those work wives, those people who can speak their language because running a business can be pretty lonely and becoming a parent can be pretty lonely and doing both at the same time is hard. So we bring people who are doing the crazy together so that we don't have to be quite as alone. I love that. And what, what
2: sparked it? Was it from your own personal journey, your journey with others? What yeah, kind of created so that, that vibe?
0: You know, I started the podcast almost as an accident because I was working at a startup in um, in Manhattan. It was a coding and an online education company. I was venture backed by a young man, Matan Grafell and i was uh, i joined as a communications and marketing person and i joined the team and while i was there about a year after i started i got pregnant and i thought to myself wow being in tech working at a startup being pregnant all at the same time that is this is intense it's kind of insane And I pitched a book proposal to uh, an agency here in New York City. I said, you know, like I'm happy to write about my experience. It might take me a minute because I'm really tired and I'm vomiting in the first trimester, but I would love to write about this. And they said, you know, we don't have enough stories about, you know, women entrepreneurs, especially at the motherhood, at the intersection of motherhood and entrepreneurship. We would love to see a book proposal. I worked for a long time on putting a proposal together, and it. you know, the best way to say it is, like, the great stories usually have a great hook. And my story was good, but it wasn't particularly evocative. It wasn't, like, overwhelming. It was like, girl gets pregnant, works at a startup. OK, so what else? and i talked to the agent for a while and she said you should really interview other people like get more stories in here like what are the trends what are we seeing and so i started the podcast privately i started interviewing women entrepreneurs about their experiences as research for a book and then when i was having these conversations i said oh these should not be on audio files locked on my computer like i know so many people who would like to listen in on these conversations because it changed my life just being able to hear other people's stories and what they were doing and so I was like well okay I'll start a podcast but as a new mom and as a an entrepreneur I said I can't start something that's unpaid. Like I just, I can't have another project. I there's, I do sleep at night a lot. I like sleeping. So I'm not going to stay up until one or 2am just to do another unpaid project. So I reached out for sponsors to see if anyone was interested in sponsoring. And we got sponsored before we even launched. That's amazing. So I looked, I looked at my husband and I said, I am so sorry. I think I started another business.
2: Was he receptive to it? Was he all on board? Did you have him like as excited where you were? Did he give you the Oh my god! What have you done? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he knows who he married. He's like, he's like, yep, this is par for the course. Like, you start projects. Like, if you had children the way you started projects, we would be in trouble. <laughs> like, I start so many projects. I love making things. I always have new ideas. Like figuring out which ones to throw my energy at is a is a real. Um, that's what I have to do. Like with my life, I'm like, okay, where do I ap- apply my limited life energy?
2: Oh, and I love that. And one of the things on your website, and I want to get into a couple different parts, because you have published a number of articles and been featured in a lot of areas, as well as your podcast. But there's one thing that caught me, and I want to share it with our readers, or our listeners, rather, because I loved it so much. And it says, I study how people work and why we do the things we do. How did you come up with that? And how has that resonated with you?
0: Oh, you know, I think I think a lot of times we try to find a through narrative or a line for who we are and what we do. And it perplexes us, right? Because we want to be able to describe what we do in a succinct sentence or who we are when we are always changing. Like we're always changing. We're always growing. Our interests wax and wane. The companies we build, we may enjoy for 10 years and then wake up. I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm complete with this, like I'm done. I've I've gotten everything out of this and I'm ready for the next thing. And I, I think it can be really hard to, and, and I'll speak from my experience, I had a lot of trouble writing on my website, Like I'm a writer, I'm a psychologist, or I am any other noun, because there's so much more to who we are. And so I tried to be as honest as I could about, I, I really like exploring things, I like learning, I like being creative for a living. Um, And I love to treat life a a little bit more like an experiment, like we're guinea pigs in this adventure to help separate taking it so personally from actively engaging with the world and going out and saying, hey, I'm gonna default to action. I'm gonna try things. I'm gonna see who I become. I'm gonna see who I think I am and whether or not that's actually true. And I'm gonna stay as much as I can open-minded about this process.
2: Wow, that's really great feedback of, I think, so many times we just aren't willing to stay open and receptive. We come out with these plans, especially moms. Things need to march along to a certain order. They need to march in our jobs. We all have this career step idea, and it doesn't flow like that. Not at all. Have you had some great kind of examples of that that you can think of or ones that come to mind of those stories where – the inevitable surprised us or people kind of were like you know what no i'm not going to do this i'm going to change the rhetoric i'm going to change the game
0: you know i i have so many um and i have personal stories and then also women who are in my community so we run a year-long mastermind and I think every one of the like turning points for so many people that, that find me and that uh, work together with me is that they wake up at some point saying, huh, like, how did I get here? Or, or where am I going? Or, or what happened? Which is a very common experience of being a parent because you can, you can spend five years trying to get pregnant. Right, and you become consumed with that as the 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 now, or you can spend um, you know three to four years just adjusting to having another human in your family, and if you add multiple humans to your family, it's taking even longer. And then you wake up and you're 38 or 42 or 46, and you say, "Okay, I have a six-year-old and an eight-year-old, and where am I going next? Like, what's next for me?" And we're at a really interesting point where. There's so much more time in people's careers, and so much opportunity for women, and the world of work is changing so fast that uh, there's a lot of possibility. But we have to be the ones to create that future and imagine it, and then also, you know, fight sexism and patriarchy and classism and all the other things <laughs> that keep get in know. our way. But, but there's also like there's there's potential, and we have like there's always a moment where where people wake up. A little bit and they say wait a second i gotta you know i gotta shake off these cobwebs i gotta figure out what's going next and and what i'm gonna do even though the last couple of years have felt like a crapshoot
2: when you talk to women and men even depending on kind of the day or the rhetoric that you're experiencing do you what do you tell them when they're like i wake up and i need to kind of do something else do you have kind of the tactical tips of this is how i would approach that that moment when you wake up and say, you know, this isn't it. There's something more. Yeah. There.
0: yeah, one of the first things to do is to take stock of where you are, right? Just to start by seeing and observing. And I'm, I'm a big fan of, of treating life like a scientist. Um, both my parents are engineers. I have a degree in, in the sciences. And it's I'm hardwired to think that way. But I also think it's really useful. So the first thing to do is, OK, here we are. Let's take stock what's working, what's not working? What do I feel like? What am I noticing? And just that data collection and that reflection process can be so incredibly useful. Um, I have a number of templates on my website where people can do a quarterly review or an annual review and I walk people through a series of questions like this, like what is it that, um, what's going well, what's not going well, why do I think that's happening? And from there, You don't have to make a decision right away, a final decision. I think this can really get people stuck in a loop where it's like, well, now I have to know before I can take action. I have to know where I'm going next. And instead I like to set up the conditions for a series of tests, a series of experiments. Okay. I think that I want to shift my career and I, I really miss writing. Uh, I love journaling or you know, I miss music in my life. I wish I played piano again. Um, Or I'm, you know, so bored at my job and I want to spend more time with my kids or whatever the situation is. Then I'd like you to set up a series of experiments like, okay, so, and I did this, I did this myself when I had my second kid. I said, you know, I think I want to stay home a little more. I said, okay, what is it like to have our kid in daycare four days a week instead of five? Let's do it for one month. And collect some data. Let's see whether or not I like it. In that particular instance, I did it for one month. I took my older kid to um, swim lessons, and then I was good. I was like, I really want five <laughs> days, and we <week> to work. <laughs> I was like, okay, I know what that's like. I'm ready. I like. I'm good. I'm good. We did swim lessons for a month. Now I'm going, mom is going back to work. Yep. So, but you but you don't not knowing is okay go find out by trying something and then learning. And don't judge yourself for your your experience or your reaction. Just observe.
2: I love that. And I think too often, I haven't heard that framed that way. So I love it because we're, we're really not giving enough time into reflecting and observing. It's rush, go, do, make, buy, whatever that may be. And I think even for people, they look at it and, you know, it's 2020, it's a new year. We're off to this great start. We're going to do all these different things. And people get so overwhelmed so quickly that they shut down. But mm-hmm. I like your example of you gave it a month, you know, a month is in the scheme of life, not, not that much time to figure, to take stock and figure out what you're going on to or not going on to and what doesn't work. That's a, I love that example so much. And I think, you know, it's interesting you bring up swimming, you actually have a very fascinating kind of collegiate career and what you like to do now with swimming
0: and yoga. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I have a a swimming background. I started when I was two. I had official like club lessons at the local pool when I was eight. Um, Swam in high school and then I swam in college. I wasn't actually sure I was going to swim in college and then when I graduated, when I was like right at the end of my senior year, or Maybe it was right when we had to decide where we were going to college. I realized I wasn't ready to be done swimming. And so I picked the school that I liked the most that also had a great swimming program and ended up doing quite well in college, better than I could have even imagined. Had an amazing coach. I lifted weights for the first time. I didn't do that in high school and watched my body transform. Ended up competing at the national level, which was... So fun and so intimidating. I mean, like, talk about the, I think the, it, there's this idea that it gets easier as you, as you get better and better at things. But I think the challenges just increase and the higher levels of competition. Oh boy, it is a psychological mind bending exercise. And then I kept going after college. I started trying open water swimming and I did the escape from Alcatraz swim. I did some open ocean swims. I did some long distance swims for most of the majority of my twenties. I did a lot of open water swimming.
2: That's amazing. And it never scares you. It doesn't freak you out at all.
0: I mean, it scares me, but the thing is, is I actually am more scared to get in a car because they the automobile deaths are so high and, and like getting killed by being i know how to swim i know how to take um controlled and very calculated risks there are boats that go with you and also like yeah there are sharks in the ocean and in the san francisco bay there's great white sharks actually but the chances of being killed by a shark are very very small and also it's kind of a cool way to go like (laughs) I'd rather I'd rather that than like be hit by a car, right? Like it's a good story.
2: That's I mean for your visual, that's going to be pretty solid, you know. <laughs> all of your great accolades and <laughs> taken out by like Bob the big white they've been tracking for months. That's right. That's that, right. That is a pretty that would be pretty legit. But with that, I think one of the things we're always trying to help, you know, it's something Blessing and I talk about all the time, we're doing so many different things and we're trying to, you know, be the best we can do, but having these honest conversations, in your experience, you know, with swimming or even as a yoga teacher, you're coming across women that we're trying to get them to a place where they can recenter themselves or they can take that pause. What, what could you pass along to our listeners about how that works well or doesn't work well or what you encourage people to do when you're practicing?
0: Yeah, you know, I think something that's really important to remember is that not not all things happen all at the same time. So I'm 36 now, and I stopped swimming uh, when I was about 28, um, and then I moved to New York, and I did yoga teacher training before I had kids, and then I had kids, and I mean, the four years of being pregnant twice and breastfeeding twice, that was what I did with my body. Like, that is a huge act of work with my body. And I did some gentle yoga and a lot of hiking and walking because I'm a very physical person. But in terms of, like, daring adventures or big treks, or like, my daring adventure was finding a way to get sleep again. And then it was, like, healing my cracked nipples. And then... <laughs> Then figuring out, and I've done a lot of physical therapy and figuring out like my pelvic floor and my hips. And I'll say now that my second kid is almost a year and a half old, I am getting back into weightlifting like 15 and 20 pounds. I just did 30 pounds the other day. I'm so excited for myself. Get it girl. (laughs) uh, I I am so excited now about the possibility of of gaining strength for myself in a different capacity. And I say this as, like, a high-caliber athlete, a yoga teacher and instructor, and somebody who's been a collegiate swimmer. And if you don't have that history as an athlete, like, I think the expectations we place on women and their bodies, especially during pregnancy, they're absurd. They're they're so unbelievably out of touch with reality. And, like, like, getting a massage, taking a hot bath going on a walk with a friend and a kindred spirit, like these are, those are my bars for self-care during um, that early postpartum period. And then then once your last child is two, starting to find your way back, I think is is a reasonable goal.
2: And I think for a lot of women, the to your point about the expectations is I had a friend that just had a baby and she's like, when am I going to feel like myself? And I was like, honest answer, not probably this year. And we don't have these dialogues and these conversations where we really allow women to experience what they're going through and acknowledge that you are grappling with some really big changes physically, emotionally, mentally, all of that. And we're not giving each other enough grace, and I think we continue to perpetuate the stereotypes that you you need to have everything together. You need to be back in your baby jeans and, like... You and your partner are having great sex all the time and all of these different things and it's just it's it's not reality and then people feel like they're falling so short from reality.
0: Oh, I those expectations just crush me because like I it takes eighteen months to two and a half years for your body to really fully reintegrate and like heal from this huge amazing process that you did. I have a scale. I don't really use it, but I know that I'm still like 15, 20 pounds more than I was like pre-babies. And that's fine. Probably because I may have gained some um, glute muscle just from lifting my 40 pound three-year-old. Like I'm, I am changing and I'm getting stronger by having these children and the expectation that we're somehow going to go back to some pre- baby version of ourselves uh, or that we have to look a certain way or that we have to feel a certain way or we have to act a certain way. It just breaks my heart because I think it's so overwhelmingly challenging to become a mother. It's so isolating. There's so many like mean things out there directed at moms. There's so much toxicity and anti-mom bias. Like you're supposed to be A perfect mother, but also not have an identity and conform to what society expects of you. And that's just not possible. And there's not enough people helping. Like there's no way to do all the work that there is. And this society, American society, doesn't support moms. Like, period. And we there's so much, there's so much. If I could say, if people listening could hear one thing, like it's not your fault. Um, we could do so much better to support mothers and If the best you can do is like shower once a week, like you're doing a great job.
2: I agree. I think we we need to just continue to push that it's we're not gonna change it in a day, we're not gonna probably change it necessarily in this year, the next couple of years, but we're starting to have these conversations which I I don't remember being said, or if they were, it was like very quietly in the back room during the you know, the cocktail party that someone said, You know, I'm not feeling Great, but to keep allowing, especially in the U.S., like to change this game, and I, I get so frustrated and I get so, you know, emotional about it at times because it's when you think about it, like in the macro level, it's overwhelming. It's so overwhelming of how are we going to change this. But to your point, we have to keep reminding people and pushing that it's not your fault. There's more that we can be doing, and then encouraging and finding ways to do that. I don't think any of us have the collective answer yet, but I, this is the first time I think we're really hearing, you know, That's it's, right. it's not okay.
0: It's so true and, and I think something that breaks my heart is that when you blame women or tell them that it's an there's an individual solutions for systemic problems. You say, hey, if you just have better time management or you have better self-care or um, you hire the perfect assistant, then you then these problems won't be problems anymore when they're very clearly systemic problems and there are solutions to them like, We need higher density housing, we need multifamily housing, we need uh, better communities and villages, better community infrastructure, and we need national paid parental leave. And not just parental leave, but paid family leave. So when people are taking care of um, aging parents, or sick brothers and sisters, or relatives or aunts and uncles, that you can take a month or two months or one day a week to go be the caretaker for this person and not lose your salary or lose your job and have to risk it yeah. So these things are like, we know that they work, they are demonstrated in other countries, in other developing countries around the world. There are advocacy groups for these types of changes. And I think that our work, like people on the podcast, moms out there is number one, don't buy into the belief that it's your fault. Um, And number two, advocate for these types of initiatives on the ballot measures, because that's how we'll change this society.
2: I love that. I think. Absolutely. And I love that you continue to give people tactical tips on how they can make these small changes or address things. So it's not overwhelming. It's not overbearing. Before we wrap up, I want to hear a little bit more. What's up with startup pregnancy? What are you working on this year? What are you most excited about?
0: You know, we we came from a year where I was starting last year with a three-month-old and maintaining a business and so what we did we were in maintenance right we it wasn't like massive growth we launched one big project and product we maintained the podcast and we took a little break and now we are back in 2020. My, I'm no longer breastfeeding. I feel like I have a smidgen more of energy, <laughs> and um, with that, I'm feeling the call to tell a lot more people about the podcast, to grow the audience, and to work to continue to work with these amazing women in the Wise Women's Council.
2: I love it. And so, for everyone listening, make sure you go and check out Startup Podcast. I love that you have the templates out there. I encourage people to check out your website. I got down the rabbit hole on it the other day because you're writing so great and you list so many wonderful things as well as the podcast so I really hope everyone checks it out as well thank you Sarah so much for joining us on the mother honestly podcast it was such a treat to have you um I've been I wish you could see the page right now as we've been talking because I've been (laughs) writing things down as I've been going and I'm like girl you've got it (laughs) so I wish you all the best with the rest of your day I don't know how you keep up with New York madness and having two little ones but well done.
0: It's insane, but I carry them I carry them a lot of places and I I feel like that's why my arms are getting stronger. Oh yeah. No, you're gonna have some like <laughs> rocking
2: guns and that by the time summer comes, you're gonna be like, Yep, I got these on the subway lifting toddlers. You haven't tried it? This is the workout plan that you should be on.
0: You haven't lived till you've till you you've carried your toddler who's having a tantrum in the middle of the subway off the train while having your other child in a front pack. <laughs>
2: And I bet to the New Yorkers, that's like a day in the life. They're like, they don't it's even face it. They don't even face it. Well, Sarah, thank you again so much for being on our podcast. Looking forward to seeing you when we come out to New York coming up in the fall. And thanks for I everything so. that you're doing to keep continuing these discussions and really allowing us to acknowledge what's not working.
0: Thanks so much for having me. Thanks. Take care.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Mother Honestly podcast. If you want more of what we're talking about, head to motherhonestly.com for relevant content for mothers at work, in business, and those figuring out their next steps. Mother of the Summit 2020 will be here before you know it. Save the date in your calendar for October 1st and 2nd at the Brooklyn Expo Center, New York, where 1,000 plus women will rise together in motherhood. I'm asking you for a favor. Please rate and review our podcast. Your reviews help us grow and we love growing here at Mother Honestly. Bye for now. See you next week.